Yes, welcome to No Ideas Original Podcast featuring Shanon, Mr. Rob, and Zane. What's up, y'all? How y'all doing? What's going on, bro? We got a, a, a special edition. We usually don't do Mondays, but this Monday is a good Monday. And it makes sense for us to have this gentleman on. So without further ado, let's bring him right in. We got Lyndon O from Ozone AI joining us this evening. How you doing, man? I'm doing well, doing well. Thank you. How are you guys doing? What's up, sir? Good. Good. Well, good. All is well. So let's um let's get right into it. Tell us what what is Ozone AI, and uh, when were you guys founded? Yeah, Ozone is a company that allows every internet user to control and monetize their personal internet data. We're trying to solve the fundamental problem that all the other companies in the universe, in the digital advertising universe, can control and monetize your data, but you don't have the tools yourself. So we're trying to fix that technical problem, give everyone free tools to do it. We have a simple Chrome extension. We're going live on Safari and Firefox. Anybody can get it. Simply get it from the Chrome Web Store, and then we give we give you back your data, and then you can choose with which advertisers you want to share it, and then you'll get paid for for that process. We started the company in 2019. Myself and Ben Coleman, uh, who was my co-founder, we met through the Google network. We were both. Uh, at one point, working for Google, so in the belly of the beast in Silicon Valley, and we saw this problem early on that uh, companies like Google and Facebook were making very sophisticated tools to create a two trillion dollar advertising market around personal data, what you do on the internet, your purchase paper, um, being put in the hands of very sophisticated companies uh, to gather your data behind your back, and we decided. Let's do it in a way where it's not done behind your back. You have visibility and transparency and control over your own data, and we saw that as a huge opportunity, especially uh, in the in the wake of Cambridge Analytica and, the, and a lot of data privacy scandals that emerged in 2018. There's a lot of public demand for this product, and uh, we we saw this as as a way for us to go back and correct a lot of the wrongs of the internet. The internet uh, was supposed to be a decentralized platform. To let everyone be able to communicate with each other, and uh, to have uh, control over those communications, and it evolved over uh, the course of a few decades, where that power was concentrated in the hands of just a few big players, Google and Facebook, and the big ad tech players. So we decided to come in and meet users where they are on the internet, and find a way to decentralize control of your own personal data. So. Let's get to the monetization of it. How, how do I control and monetize my personal data? Yeah, that's a great question. The data that is put on the internet right now um, is largely what you do on your web, uh, on desktop, when you're surfing, and on mobile devices. So what we're trying to do is give you tools to harness both of those places where you're producing data. And uh, so right now, what you can do is download the Ozone Chrome extension, and that extension uh, will ask you for permissions to track your browsing behavior, and then we will play back that browsing behavior on your account dashboard. And what we're doing as a publisher is serving you paid ad inventory, and then we're going to share the revenue that we get from advertisers with the users. Huh? Sounds like a clean, like a clean, clean deal. So, yeah. 
I'm wondering. So, in terms of the um the browser extension, what is it for? That sounds easy for a desktop and laptop. But for on your phone, what is it? You download the app on your phone, and that's how you're able to track the data via an app on your phone. Yeah, for now we are just going to opt in your、uh, location data.、Uh, typically, when you have a mobile app, you give the app、uh, developer permissions to track you know where you go. That's the only data that we're going to get from you on mobile, and then everything else、uh, is going to be done on on web on desktop. Eventually, we will.、Uh, our plan is to to get other sort other、uh, personal data absorbed through mobile, but for now, it's just going to be with your location data. Yeah, just, I'm just wondering because I think most of people, most of the folks, um, topics been browsing is via their mobile device. So, how、right. soon do you guys plan to have something, you know, something that's able to allow you to ca- capture more data from a mobile device standpoint? We are releasing a feature very soon that allows you to explore deals,、uh, conventional discounts and deals and promotions. From over twelve thousand brands, so these are the big, big box retailers like Best Buy and Target, Amazon, and then we're gonna track the、uh, brands with which you interact the most as you explore these deals, and we're gonna build a profile about the stuff that you personally like, your brand affinity,、uh, what kind of products you're going after, and then with that data, we're gonna match advertising inventory to you, and this is all gonna be done over mobile. Got.、It. Talk, talk a little bit about the lack of privacy on the internet and the gross invasion these companies have with our personal information. Yeah, so it, we all have the experience of signing up for a service like Google or Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, and、uh, you know when you create an account, they give you a window that shows you this massive, massive document asking you to agree to terms and conditions. Very few of us actually read what's written in there. It would take a lawyer, or many lawyers, to even interpret what what they're saying, telling us. You typically just say, "Okay, yeah, let me in." And、right. in the process, when you do that, you are actually saying, "I am allowing you to track everything I do."、Uh, and that's done. That the the big secret is that that's not just what you're doing on that particular app or on that property. Right. You are also being. Uh, opted into tracking on all these other properties,、uh, which is accomplished through what's called a tracking pixel. So when you sign, when you click yes on that terms and conditions, you know, terms and conditions statement, you are basically saying, I allow you、uh, to embed a tracking pixel from Facebook on all these other properties, and、uh, I'm going to see what you do on all the other mobile apps on your device. So it becomes like the sprawling. A kind of invasive network of、uh, spyware that's watching you, what you know, how you navigate on an app, what you click、right. on,、uh, what you purchase, etc.、Uh, not just on Facebook, but everywhere else. Yeah, yeah, all your activity. All your activity, exactly. And most people think, oh, you know, it's just if I sign up for something on Facebook, of course they're going to see what I do on Facebook, but it's actually everything else, and the same goes for Google as well. So what happens with Google is when you sign up for Google services, of course when you have Gmail and Google Maps and you use search, they're tracking. They're trying to build a profile and you're tracking everything you do on each of those properties. But what's also happening is they have a pixel embedded on all these other publisher properties. So when you're going to read the news, you're going to read, you know,、um, your daily news, you're reading sports news,、uh, you're consuming media content. They actually have a few lines of code. 
embedded on that publisher property, let's take for example, CNN or Huffington Post or ESPN, and uh, what they're doing is tracking you on those sites as well. What that pixel does is it builds a profile of the types of content you like to consume as you go to, from publish, publisher site to publisher site. It also has permission to grab ad inventory from ad networks and then insert that ad onto that page, which is what creates that kind of uh, annoying experience of you know, consuming publisher content. And then there's suddenly a dump of some kind of advertising content in between uh, you know, an article that you're trying to read. Right. Or just ads, the right video, all, all this kind of ad spam that we typically don't like as users. And that's all enabled through the Google network uh, and the Facebook network. So what's actually happening is, if you were to try to summarize uh, what you're signing up for, you're actually signing up for Google and Facebook to follow you around on the internet and then uh, figure out who you are based on all the things you do everywhere else and then serve you the content based on who they think you are. And this is all done behind your back. You're not seeing any of this process. Uh, so, is, uh, so these tracking pixels or tracking cookies, they're, they're like out, are they, are they synonymous with algorithms? So algorithms are the models that are built to try to figure out who you are from that raw data. So there's a, a lot of raw data. You can think of it as a, a fire hose of data that they're piping in into these databases. And then uh, there's a team of, uh, and I used to be one of these people, there's a team of data scientists sitting in uh, Silicon Valley that has uh, built a, a series of algorithms which are basically just uh, models to try to uh, classify you as a person. Uh, so they try to bug you, uh, bucket you into a specific category of user. Are you a sports fan? If you're a sports right. fan, are you a hockey fan? Are you a basketball fan, baseball, etc.? cetera? Uh, if you buy, um, you know, fancy jewelry, what is your spending band uh, in, in specific jewelry categories? If you're going on vacation, where do you like to travel? What, what travel, uh, what airlines, what, what airline carriers you typically use, et cetera. And then these models are all basically trying to put labels on you. So they're gonna take somebody like me and say, this person uh, fits into this bucket that is uh, this particular income, this location. Um, and they try to basically tell the story of your life in terms of brands and purchasing behavior. So all these algorithms are just telling a story of who you are. And the reason why this is so valuable is advertisers really only want to serve ads to people that they think are going to actually buy it. Yeah. So it's the same as a billboard. You really only want, you want to put a billboard in a place where you know that people are going to see it and the, the types of people that are going to see it are most likely to call the number or whatever it is, act on act on the advertising. Mm -hmm. And the, the uh, team of data scientists that are sitting around at Google and Facebook and all the engineers are really trying to give advertisers the most perfect set of eyeballs that are most likely to click on that ad uh, that you're getting when you're reading the, reading the page. Wow. So, Lyndon, based upon uh, the people that's, 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 that's viewing this episode tonight and the ones that'll see it, you know, in the future, once you signed up, whether they have a mobile device that's iOS or Android, how do they get paid? Like, what are the, what are the perks behind signing up for Ozone AI? Yeah, there are, are two main ways that a user can get paid right now. And one is uh, you can fill out a monthly survey 
where we are asking our users a few basic questions about their preferences. Uh, so for example, we'll ask you a little bit about your social media consumption. Uh, you know, what particular social media platforms do you typically like to use? We'll ask you a little bit about your food and beverage preferences. When you order food delivery, you know, an Uber Eats or Caviar or DoorDash, what cuisine categories do you typically like to order within? And then uh, shopping preferences, your favorite brands, etc. And you can get paid directly to your Ozone wallet right when you complete that survey. And from within that wallet, you can cash out through PayPal. So we're actually uh, about to release a PayPal integration this week that allow, allows every user to, to link their PayPal account to their Ozone account and that, then they can cash out whatever's sitting in their Ozone wallet through PayPal. So that's one way that they can make money. Second way they can make money is, we're very proud of this, is uh, to simply have the Ozone extension installed on your browser on your browser and with that extension we are going to pay you a weekly dividend for your browsing data every ozone user is going to get paid five cents a week just for having the browser on so, so what this looks like is uh this is uh giving back to users their browsing data so browsing data is actually very valuable because uh cookies which are used in the advertising world are really trying to follow you around to see what tabs you have open. Uh, and then when you have that tab open, uh, how much time are you spending on that page? And then within that page, what are you clicking on? What types of content are you clicking on? Ozone is replicating that process. And for the privilege of being able to follow you out on the internet, we are gonna pay you. So we're trying to return that power back to the user. Previously, this is all happening anyway. Previously, Advertisers are able to follow you around the internet based on stuff you do on the browser and not pay you for any of that activity. We're saying you deserve to be paid for it. So every Ozone user is now going to be paid for, for having the session on. Yeah. Now also, my, my second question is, can you can you talk upon the, uh, the other ways, other perks that people can get paid, whether they do surveys or play games on the uh, Ozone app? Yeah, we are about to release uh, a gaming feature where uh, users can participate in a live game show, similar to a, a trivia style game show, and there'll be a grand prize at the end of it. And we're really excited about this because uh, it really just tests for uh, pop culture knowledge and anybody can come in um, and have a little bit of fun, uh, you know, answering a few questions that tests her knowledge of you know, major events and major trends happening in pop culture. And there's a, a grand prize at the end of it. Uh, that's just one way that they'll be able to make money. Uh, we are actually developing a mobile-based uh, gamified experience where you can uh, rate a brand and tell us what you think of a particular brand and then we will pay you for your, for your vote on that brand. Yeah, I want I want to go back to um, what you were saying in terms of Facebook and Google when you were saying like the terms and conditions that people just bypass because they want to get in. Um, mm -hmm. there, there are some people I think that for them ignorance is bliss. Not knowing allows them to say like, oh, you know, I'm fine with it. What do you say to people that may be fearful of knowingly sharing their data? I mean, we all know it all happens now, like you said. But what's right. what's the pitch, or what do you say to people? that are like, wait a minute, you mean to tell me like this is actually going on? Yeah, that's a great question. We're trying to fundamentally solve for the lack of choice. So we don't want to coerce anyone into sharing data just by virtue of having our app installed. So what we want to do is say, 
here is a playback of all the things you're doing. You can have that for free. If you want to share anything with advertisers and get compensated for it, we'll give you the menu option to click yes or no. It's going to be a simple, similar to what you have on your settings on a mobile app. You can uh, dial the, the switch left or right. We want to do that for users and give them the opportunity to either share or not share based on their, their level of comfort. When they are sharing, we're going to give them choice in their sharing preferences to select the types of companies that they want to share it with. So if you want to share it with health and beauty companies, you can. If not, turn it off. Uh, and then, you know, it can be retail or sports, equipment, apparel, etc. And then we give you that menu of choices. Well, really what that's doing is allowing you to tell advertisers, I'm on the market for uh, sports equipment, so I'm going to turn this on um, for now, and I'm going to get ads uh, for whatever it is. Uh, whenever whenever I, I've uh, accomplished what I wanted and, and finding uh, the product that I want, I'll be able to turn that off. So the user is basically saying, hey, I'm, you know, uh, my eyeballs are ready for ads, um, right. and they can choose who who they uh, who, who they give that attention to. Are, are you compensated more based on how much you're willing to share? Yes, we're trying to uh, create a system where every unit of data has some monetary value. So the more you opt in, the more you're going to be able to make. Who, who all is behind Ozone? Yeah, that's a great question. So Ozone is a team of uh, ex-Silicon Valley insiders. We uh, collectively as a team have worked at Google and Facebook and uh, have uh, extensive experience starting companies uh, that are backed by venture investors. And uh, we have worked within those teams in data science, strategy and partnerships. Um, and we were all, you know, at one point in the belly of the beast at these large uh, Silicon Valley companies. So uh, we like to think of it as uh, kind of a, a team of revolutionaries that have escaped the uh, escaped the matrix and are, are trying to turn things up. Turn things up. The evil, the evil empire. Huh? <laughs> the evil empire. Yeah. Now another another situation is too. Tell us how we uh, can generate more money based upon the things that you spoke about. Uh, you know, previous. But what, what's what's a way that people can earn all mo uh, more money because. Uh, don't quote me on this, but are you uh, looking, I guess, in, in the near future to incorporate Bitcoin too? Fractional Bitcoin? We are, yeah, we are looking at Bitcoin. We're looking at uh, ways to convert uh, points that you would earn from your browsing behavior into Bitcoin. And really what we want to do is set up a network of merchants that will allow users to uh, apply the funds that they've earned to uh, get discounts from brands that they like. So we want to narrow the universe of companies that uh, you personally like um, and then do deals with them so that you can go and have repeat purchase behavior with your favorite companies and everything you earn on Ozone you can apply uh, toward the products that you like. So we want to create this sort of virtuous cycle of here's all the stuff that I do on Ozone, all the data that I that I opt in and in exchange, I'm going to get discounts from my favorite companies. Um, one thing we want to do with Bitcoin is uh, give users the opportunity to just convert cash they have already on their Ozone balance uh, to Bitcoin through uh, through the PayPal wallet. Right. So PayPal already supports Bitcoin purchases. You can transfer that money into PayPal 
and then uh, use the proceeds to buy uh, to buy fractionalized Bitcoin. So, in terms of, I guess, like being evaluated based on your um, your data, I know you're tracking the browsing history, but is there something else in there that you're tracking? I guess how much time a person spends online, or how many actual ads they click on? Yeah, right now we are uh, not linking it to volume. We're just linking it to uh, having it on or off. If you have it on, every user that has it on will earn a fixed amount of money. Uh, what we are looking at is the opportunity to opt in other data, such as your purchase history. So if you were to download, for example, your Amazon uh, purchases to sell, and every user can do that. Uh, or if they were to give us permission to uh, look at the brands that are in your Gmail inbox. So every Gmail user has a promotions tab where they're getting, you know, promo offers from companies that they previously bought from, or you know, they've signed up for newsletters. And there's a what we like to call a, a brand portfolio for every user that's sitting inside their inboxes. And what we'd like to do is ask users for permission to just grab those out of your email and make that accessible to advertisers, so that every advertiser can see. You know, if I uh, if I look at a user's inbox, where are they getting receipts from, from which uh, from which merchants? Nice. I've never looked in that promotions folder. In my <laughs> I've never. <laughs> it's usually filled with a lot, a lot of junk mail, but it, it actually tells a very um, a very specific picture of, of you as a user. Uh, you can see across multiple categories who are your favorite vendors. You know, who have you previously transacted from? Mm, yeah, check that out tonight. I'm sure all all data can be abused, but there is is there any data that's less sensitive than others? Yeah, you know that that's a that's a question that uh, we get a lot. So what what we think is um, the sweet spot for both users and advertisers is really the kind of companies that you've bought from before. What are the brand names that? You have interacted with, uh, and most users are really comfortable sharing that data. Um, you know, if you're, uh, we have a number of categories. For example, in your Amazon household appliances, all the sort of necessities that you get delivered on Amazon uh, right. are are really just kind of like day to day lifestyle things. And uh, you know, there there are other there there's other data that's you know banking data, financial data. Um, obviously, your personal identity data—that's a lot more sensitive, but that's less valuable to uh, to digital advertisers. So, we don't really uh, see a future where we have to get extremely invasive data from users in order for them to be able to make money. We're just saying, here's the stuff that's sitting on the top, uh, kind of hanging through for users and advertisers, and giving uh, both both sides the opportunity to transact on that uh, on that exchange. Yeah, it's just just bridging the gap. Exactly, exactly, and it's out there anyway. And uh, you know, we're just giving you the opportunity to capture it, see where it is, and then give that back to advertisers. Now, I had uh, got got the uh, the privilege to go on YouTube and surf the net, and I I, I saw how you guys, Ben, the co-founder, Ben did an excellent job. Of uh, doing the presentation on TechCrunch, tell us how that uh, was a was a was a major play for you guys when you guys went on TechCrunch. TechCrunch was huge for us. 
So we um, had uh, applied to, to be in the competition, which is called TechCrunch Disrupt Battlefield. And typically what happens is uh, there's a process where TechCrunch is a major um, tech publication based out of San Francisco. And every year they host this competition among startups. And startups have to apply to get on stage and, and uh, be able to present. Um, we, we were very lucky to, um, you know, to have been admitted. I think what, what was really exciting about the experience was that uh, TechCrunch really was looking for some companies that are taking on this particular problem of data privacy and data ownership in 2019. It was very topical at the time. And the way it works is like, you know, you apply, you have a short pitch, and uh, you come in and they train you on uh, what that, you know, what the demo is going to look like. And there's a very tight sort of window that you have to operate within. And uh, it's, it's a really great opportunity because you get in front of all these journalists who are looking for cool companies to track. And, uh, we, you know, we were very early to have been there because we didn't really have product or revenue at the time. And uh, when, when we got in, um, was really about displaying this concept and getting people excited about a future where people can own their internet data. Um, and you know, that, that led to a lot of great conversations for us. Uh, and we were able to do a big part of a fundraise after TechCrunch. So we were very lucky to, to have that experience. Now, my second question is, do you guys ever look into the future as far as going public? <laughs> yeah, I, I think uh, that would, that's a, a, a great question. Um, I think very few startups will ever say we never want to go public. Um, but we, you know, we looked this, at this company really as we want it to be um, for the users and uh, the extent to which that we have the control or the, the, the product architecture and the design and the choices we can make on behalf of users, we want to maintain that control. So really what happens when companies go public is they lose a lot of that control to shareholders. So uh, that would be our, our big reservation about doing that is, you know, ultimately can we make the right decisions on behalf of users if we're if we're actually accountable to, you know, to public shareholders. Uh, approximately how many users do you have now? And what would you say is the chief method that you go about recruiting you? Yeah, we're up to almost 30,000 users as of today. We launched in November. We just ran promoted ads on Facebook and Instagram and Google. One of the uh, ads that's got, gotten a lot of traction for us is just showing uh, the way the market is working in favor of all the big companies and uh, really against the user themselves who are the generators of the data. So we look at the users as really the free labor that's producing all this uh, all this data that's going out to the big companies and they're making two trillion dollars a year total on user data but the users have no peace so we're just telling a story to uh users of these companies themselves facebook and instagram here's all the stuff that's actually happening behind your back why not come in and get a piece of it yourself with these free tools so that's working too well for us when we have when we are running ads we're usually acquiring users at, at a rate of 200 to 300 a day. So uh, it's um, it's really just a, uh, it's just a matter of uh, how, how many how many people can we reach at a given time. Yeah, I wonder, you know, um, now having 30,000 users, how many users do you think it's gonna be before the, um, the evil empire comes after you guys and say, wait a minute, 
I was just about to ask that, son. The data that, the data that we've been collecting from them, here it is now. You want to actually figure out, figure out a way to monetize it for them also, rather than us only monetizing it. Have you given any thought to what that may look like? Because I see that potentially there could be some pushback or resistance. Yeah, I was going to ask, before you say that, child, I was going to ask, have you caught any controversy being so revolutionary? <laughs> Yeah, you know we've had a, a so I'll, I'll ask I'll answer the first question. Every company knows that that every startup knows that Google and Facebook are uh, they're the evil they're they're the evil ones that are just kind of lurking uh, and waiting to waiting to pounce uh, if you get too big. So we we are very mindful of uh, mindful of their presence, but we're not we're not scared, and we know that. Um, what we're really doing is valuable service on, on part of users and just giving them a fair piece of, of, of their, the, the, the property that they generate themselves. Um, and so we think of ourselves even as just a public utility. So, um, you know, very few, uh, very few companies would oppose um, services that are doing things, um, free tools that are just acting on behalf of the public. And uh, we don't really view ourselves even as uh, as a um, as a major threat to Facebook and Google if we're just providing free service to users. So the, um, the on, on the second the second point, we've had some uh, people ask, "What's the catch?" Uh, and and that's the pushback. And we are quite quite radical. We are a revolutionary company. And people are asking, "Well, what's the catch here?" And we always just say, "There is no catch." Because uh, we're not really doing anything except giving you the giving you the control. So it's really up to you what you want to do with this. Uh, and I think that's what sets us apart from a lot of other companies that have tried this. We're not the first to try to pioneer data ownership for users. And uh, what we're doing differently, however, from the, uh, the the first, I guess, the first wave of companies that have tried this, is we're not actually taking control of it. We're just trying to give the users. Uh, that, that control themselves, and we just uh, have corrected the technical asymmetry that existed before. Yeah, right. and I think you guys are you're, um, you're using transparency. You know, another thing I wonder is how many people would, which I imagine, or plenty of people would still probably opt in to the Facebooks and Instagrams and Googles of the world, even if they did use plain language to get people to sign up for it. Um, so, what do you think I, would pre prevents them from using plain language? Oh yeah, that's a great question. Well, I think if they were to use plain language, I think people would uh, people would instinctively uh, be fearful of what they're walking into. And um, I think if you guys have seen uh, the recent kind of wave of documentaries that have come out on data privacy, the social dilemma is a really great great one on Netflix. If you haven't seen it, I recommend you and your all your audiences watch it. Uh, I always think this is a really interesting analogy. Um, somebody said that the only two types of businesses that call their customers users are drug dealers and big tech companies. And we, we know that, that big tech companies are trying to get users into an addictive experience and uh, having you know, a constant cycle of dopamine and you know different sort of stimuli, stimuli to the brain through you know visual stimulus and psychological stimulus of using these apps. Uh, we all know that uh, 
chasing likes and uh, getting getting um, you know as much sort of social validation from these apps is is one of the most addictive parts of the experience. And they need this to be able to to make the money they make. And if they were to tell users up front, hey, like come in, we're going to try to get you hooked. Uh, in the same way that uh, if a drug dealer were to tell, you know, first-time users, hey, uh, just try this out, you know, it's not going to hurt you. Yeah, they'd have a very bad business. So, so I think it's the same deal for for big-time companies. Wow. Now I, I know. Boy, what? Is, is there a way to prevent this? Is there a preventative measure not to be tracked? So I think Apple is actually doing a lot uh, to give users a little bit more control. They are offering menu options now where you can opt out of tracking. Uh, Google is, is removing third-party tracking cookies. A lot of advertisers are trying to negotiate their way through what is now called the post-cookie world in anticipation of cookies going away. But really what that is is still a unilateral choice made by these big tech companies to say, Oh hey, uh, trust us. We're just going to do all these things that are going to be better for your privacy, uh, and then users will have to sit back and just kind of take at face value what these companies are saying. And by contrast, what we're doing is saying, don't actually trust them. Take control of your data yourselves. Right. And continue to use these services. So we're not fundamentally trying to take business away from these companies. We're all going to continue to use social media and all these other consumer tech platforms because they're actually quite useful to us. But what we are saying now is, all that stuff you do do in using these services, have access to it yourselves instead of just them. Right, right. Finish this sentence. Ozone AI will be blank in ten years. Yeah, largest internet company in the world. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> Now, uh, Lyndon, uh, we all are very aware of the multi-billion uh, dollar industry as far as with uh, betting and stuff like that. So can you tell us, uh, would, would, would you guys be interested in incorporating something that's similar to DraftKings as far as for the users that, you know, sign up for, for, for Try Ozone to get into the sports uh, betting industry and also uh, would you also uh, be willing to incorporate NFTs? Could you see how big digital art is and trading cards and all that other stuff that's going on right now? Yeah, I, I've thought uh, quite a bit about DraftKings and, and some of the uh, online gambling um, industry, which is uh, closely tied to just uh, to gaming, uh, on online gaming. We haven't really thought too much about incorporating that um, without um, uh, a, a novel experience for brands themselves to come in and game, have, have their own content be gamified. So we, what we would want is, let's say for example, uh, even just sports clubs. Sports clubs wanted to use Ozone as a uh, place to get brand uh, traction, you know, brand awareness, and, and then also uh, user feedback on their perception of that brand. We would want to gamify that experience and so take, you know, a couple of, let's just say, a couple of baseball teams or NFL teams that want to come in and say, you know, uh, what do you think of the ownership of this club? Uh, are you bullish? What What do you think their, their record is going to be? How are they going to do this season? Uh, we would want users to be able to do that, but it would be gamified. Um, 
in, in a way where the brand is able to solicit direct feedback from the user. So a club can come in and say, I, I want to know what is uh, this particular audience uh, pick for, for the 2021 season. Is it us? Is it going to be our competitor? Why do they feel that way? Um, and then we want to compensate the user for that for that opinion. So it's not a conventional gaming um, gambling platform where you know there are going to be odds and a, and a bet and a winner and a bookie, etc. There's just going to be more like a direct user conversation with with the clubs or the brands themselves. And then uh, with respect to NFTs, we thought a lot about that um, as a as an opportunity for users to stake ownership of content that they would produce on the platform. But we're not really in the business of content production. Uh, we're really trying to deal with just the space of uh, your personal data that you leave on the internet every day just using the internet. How do you get control of that and, and monetize that? Okay. Yeah. I'm wondering, have you given any thought to um, what the business model looks like now? With Now there's this huge push, like even on your iPhone, you see everybody's tracking the amount of time that people are actually on their devices and how much time people spend in front of their screens. Have you thought about how that may impact what you're trying to do with Ozone AI? Yeah, we have thought about that. What we want to do is decouple the amount of time spent from, <coughs> from ownership. So the last thing we want to do for the benefit of our own users is to tell them, spend more time on the internet so that you can make more money. We want to just harness the most valuable pieces of what you do on the internet and get you a fair value for it. Uh, so there could be a kind of a perverse incentive system where, you know, we already have that right now. Google and Facebook have mastered that, where they're trying to get you to spend as much time as possible using their tools. We want we want to wean users off of the uh, experience of spending a lot of time on the internet um, and find a way to just isolate the pieces of data that are the most valuable, and then get them with as little effort as possible, get them value for it. What's the greatest advice that you took from a peer or, you know, just any array of uh, business person that's in the industry as far as for uh, building your brand uh, with uh, Try Ozone or Ozone, I'm sorry, Ozone AI? For a business for Ozone, uh, the biggest advice we, we would say is to stop, stop wasting money advertising on Google and Facebook in a spray and pray where uh you know a lot of it is like let's just throw these ads out in front of all these eyeballs and see where it sticks what we're saying is come to us where we're going to give you audiences that have already said we want to hear from you and so we're moving toward a model where users are declaring their preferences and almost like a dating service they're matching the users with the, with the brands that they like yeah. I tell you what, uh, Lyndon, I could definitely see like in the very near future, you know how they have the digital uh, billboards downtown in Manhattan, like 42nd Street and all that. I could definitely yeah. see an Ozone AI digital uh, billboard down there very soon. <laughs> well, I hope you're right, Zane. I, I would love that. You know, one thing uh, we always talk about is uh, a future where um, anytime you interact with an ad anywhere uh it's going to be personalized to you so you're not going to see an ad from something that you don't want uh that has already been envisioned by a lot of science fiction writers there's this movie that came out in the 90s with tom cruise called minority report yep. and yeah. uh, 
you guys might remember there's a scene where Tom Cruise is running and he gets these ads that are specifically for him. They know it's him. Wow. And, uh, yeah. We're to create a future where that's actually a positive experience. So you get your favorite friends all in one place. Bonus yeah. question. Rob, ask him that signature question, brother man. Can I get my question? You just jumped over I'm sorry, me. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Bob. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. So, Lyndon, I wanted to ask you, I'm, I'm not a developer, but I would imagine that as, you, um, as you're putting these kind of things together, there are several iterations before you get the, the final product. Or you may never get to the final product. What have you learned from Ozone AI 1.0 to Ozone AI 2.0 or 3.0, wherever you are now? Oh yeah, I love that question. So uh, when, I, when I look back on when we first started the company, I had a lot of um, hypotheses about what I thought users would love. And uh, from the perspective of a, a tech, like a tech person, and what it really exposes that Tech people have their own kind of idea of the universe that they think is uh, they think is right because uh, they're trained in a way to think, uh, you know, well, I'm going to predict what people want because I have data and I can look at the data and I can see what people want. Uh, and then what we learned in actually releasing the product is people come back to us and say, I want this, this, and this because I really love this. And so what we really learn is listen to the users, uh, discard whatever you think, uh, you know, don't try to be too smart about what you think people want. Just just try to listen to, to, what, to what people are, are asking for. So one of the things that we learned is uh, our survey product is very popular. People really love to tell us uh, about their lifestyles. You know, what, what are my favorite cuisines? Uh, when I buy stuff from kitchen appliances, uh, this is how much money I spend a month. These are my this is uh, who I get my car insurance from. And people really are comfortable answering these questions as long as you compensate them for it. We didn't think that we would get a lot of stable demand for this product, but as soon as we released it, a lot of users were writing us and saying, hey, we want more of these. So Linda, what do you do on your regular time? <laughs> this? <laughs> All day? Well, <laughs> this, is my, this is most of my life, but, but I, I do like, uh, I do like to surf. I, you know, I live in LA, so I, I surf and uh, I try to uh, get outside and, and enjoy enjoy the sunshine as much as possible. Um, I uh, have recently uh, taken a boxing lesson, so uh, that's nice. that's been a lot of fun. You been willing to kick the ass, huh? <laughs> well, starting with Google and Facebook, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> were, were, those, were those bad experiences working with Google or, or Facebook? No, I can't say they were bad experiences. Uh, I, I found the, the people that I worked with were incredibly, uh, you know, like collegial, warm, friendly, nice, very intelligent, and the companies really took care of their employees. Right. A lot of people know uh, that Google and Facebook are, are um, kind of, you know, kind of places where they, they really load up on perks for, for employees. Uh, I, I always thought they were incredible places for me to learn how to think like it's a, like a tech person and, and how to build how to build tech. Um, just look at what they do as these, they became victims of their own success and, and they, they don't have a way out uh, to, to treat their users better. Uh, and they're kind of stuck. And this I think is a problem for a lot of big successful companies stuck in their model. 
So I saw an opportunity to come out and do what I think a lot of people at Google would have liked to have done maybe 10 years ago. Wow. That's, wow. That's great. I'm going to do the out of you. Rob, ask him that signature question, brother man. <laughs> Lindino, let me ask you this. How important, how so important is the human imagination? Oh, yeah. that That is, uh, I think that is the most important thing in uh, anything that when somebody's starting something from scratch, and uh, trying to bring something to life from zero. The imagination, I think, is more important than any skill set because you can, uh, you can create the skills out of the imagination. Because uh, I think human drive and determination is ultimately what produces skills. Uh, and to get drive and determination, you really need imagination and inspiration. So I've uh, always had the philosophy that people really need uh, vision and uh, conviction and um, everything else follows from that. I've, I've, it's interesting listening to you talk about um, your experience with Google. I, I've always viewed Google, Facebook, and Apple as kind of like the places that were at the forefront of innovation. But the way you describe it is almost like you've created something so great, you don't see a way out. I, I, could, I, could, I could get with that. Yeah, I could get with that because the, the, the profit that has come from it it's almost like you have to continue to stay in the cycle of doing more to perpetuate it. Like, I, that's a, that's an amazing analogy for it. Yeah, and that's a cascading effect. Uh, it kind of creates this flywheel of it attracting, it attracts the best talents to make more money so that they can pay for the best talents. And so in order to get the best talent, you have to keep doing what you do a little bit better. And, uh, you know, in that way, it locks itself into a cycle where you can't really escape some of the things that they they know on the inside. You know, if, if we could do it, do it a different way, we probably would. But that would mean we lose. You know, we lose our we lose our revenue, we lose our our employees. Um, so I think it's really important the choices that a company makes early on really sets the tone for the culture in the future. Uh, I think Google really tried to do a lot of things right. Um, probably more so than Facebook. Google, Google's original um, motto was organize the world's information and make it accessible to everyone. Right. And uh, they had a few things like they experimented with, like don't be evil. Uh, but now that everybody knows that they're, that they can't really go to that. It's also good for, and uh, you know, they created search, which is just an incredibly useful uh, tool. Um, and and they pour so much of their their budget into optimizing search. And when people think of AI and deep learning and machine learning, really where a lot of the best AI and machine learning is happening in the world is in, in, in Google and Google and search. Um, and I think that's just not gonna go away. I think it's gonna continue to be a, a very powerful tool. Um, Amazon has, uh, figured out that uh, it needs to catch up a little bit with search and now they, they try to create uh, um, Amazon, they may, they're trying to make Amazon the default tool to learn about products. So instead of just searching for a product and going to Amazon to see um, right. what are people saying about a product, who should I buy from, how much should I spend. So that's created an entire universe around the way people think about information. It's like, can I just say something 
And then is it going to materialize out of thin air uh, to, to give me that information back? And that's what Search has done really well. And I, I have to really respect Google for, for doing that. Certainly feels that way. Certainly feels like that's what's happening. Yeah. yeah. Companies, do you think that um, the company model in terms of what their employees, do you think that's intentional engineering or companies just fell into that? Yeah, that's, uh, I, I don't know. I thought about that. I, I think that every company that releases a model like that, they're very tactical about it. They know that, uh, especially if you're a public company like Google, um, you, you want to be able to please shareholders and continue to present a face to the public that's palatable and neutral and pleasant and, you know, um, can probably uh, maybe mask some of the things that are happening on the inside. So uh, I, I think that to say that it's completely disingenuous, I, I wouldn't say that, but um, certainly, you know, they, they know that when you say, uh, don't be evil, um, they can get away with things that, uh, you know, they, they wouldn't otherwise, if that weren't their public slogan. <laughs> Data pirates, man, are taking all that information. That's a, great, that's a great way to think about it. It's, it's data. It's data piracy. It's uh, all this stuff is happening behind your back. And yeah, man, they, they can even track you. They can even track your Bluetooth by beacon. Right. Yeah. This is so wild, man. Yeah, and, and, and your phone is listening to you. Don't don't listen. To, no matter what they tell you, your your phone is definitely listening. At, at this point, I think my blender's listening. <laughs> <laughs> I got a Bluetooth microwave. <laughs> yeah, that smart fridge you have, you don't know what, what it knows. Yes, my stove and my microwave is Bluetooth. Your whole kitchen. And I'm getting rid of that shit too. <laughs> <laughs> your whole kitchen might know who you are. Yo, yeah. <laughs> no one is time to eat when it's time to drink everything. <laughs> So, 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 Lyndon, let us know for the people that sign up for Ozone AI, what's the minimum to maximum that that they can uh, earn annually? Yeah, well, right now we're trying to get users up to at least $100 a year. That's our goal uh, by the end of next year. We, we think the total data market value of your personal data is up to $1,000 a year. And there are a lot, of, a lot of companies that are already paying, um, you know, nickel and dime and you know up to maybe a couple hundred um one of our competitors is called brave and, and they're already doing that you can earn cryptocurrency it's called basic attention token it's basically a browser so you'd have to install a whole new browser and then create a profile and just use that to earn in uh, cryptocurrency uh, but we are trying to just pay our users cash we've already paid users uh five thousand dollars in cash since we launched in november um so we're trying to get that market up so that everybody has uh, a stable, uh, dependable income of at least a few hundred dollars a year from their data. Now, also, are there ways for, uh, uh, you know, people to get into the, uh, you know, put money into Ozone AI? Uh, not as of yet. We are thinking about being able to uh, take investment from from our own users. So that's uh, that's in the works, and and um, we would we would love to be able to to make it uh, a almost like a mutual, like people people can own a piece of the company. Okay. Well, I, you know, I have I have to say, uh, um, 
think it definitely makes sense, you know, it's, yeah. for people to have the opportunity to earn a couple of dollars for doing something that they were going to do already. <laughs> you know, that's that's a no-brainer. Um, yeah, like I said earlier, I think that it's sadly though, I think for some people like ignorance is bliss and you know what they don't know, oh yeah, they, they don't know what they don't know, they don't know. Um, but the reality of it is, you know, signing up with, um, with Ozone, you're, you're not going to be doing anything different than what you've already been doing. Yeah, that's right. So we're trying to, we're trying to meet internet users where they are already. And we're not asking you to uh, reinvent anything the way you do anything on the internet. Uh, just keep doing what you're doing. And we're going to return that value back for the data that you put out. Nice. Just like I said the other day on my post on Instagram, I said, people are not trying to reinvent the wheel. They're trying to reinvent the will, W-I-L-L. You know? Right. That's, that's, that's right. Yep, yep. That's, that's the best way. That's the best way to play it. Change the thinking, man. Got to change the thinking. Change the thinking, yeah. So, Lyndon, we have at the bottom of the screen, I'm sure you can see it, we have your, um, we have the Ozone Instagram. Give out how people can get in contact with you. Give the website, everything for those that may be interested in signing up with Ozone. Yes, uh, anybody can come in and create an account right now for free on ozone.ai. All right, there we go. From there, uh, it's just a few, it only takes uh, what, less less than a couple minutes to create an account and uh, install the extension and then you're off to earning right away. Oh, That's and uh, Sha. Give out that plug or what that promo code is for the podcast. For the, yes, for the people that are looking to sign up. We'll make sure we have the link in the browser for people interested in signing up with Ozone AI. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, anybody, anybody can come in and, and use that referral code. And also you can refer your friends and earn a referral bonus. So you can earn even more money for, for sharing the link with your friends. Nice. Well, Lyndon, thank you for um for joining us this evening to talk more about Ozone. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me as a guest. Take care of yourself, Lynn. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in this evening. We appreciate you.